Well, good morning. It's so great to see you here today and see so many people that are here in the room with us. Just a full house today. And those of you that are watching online or maybe at one of our locations in West Henderson or in St. George, it is just a great day because we're starting a brand new series. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more over the next few moments. But before we do that, let me tell you about a truth that's um, really something we need to know here at The Crossing is that our pastoral team is awesome, but they don't do it all. That we have an incredible group, many, many, many of you who are leaders, volunteers, who help make everything happen that's going on both here on Sundays and our ministries around our city and around the world. And one of the things that we want to continue to do is to pour in to that group of people. And so every year we hold a, what we call our team conference. This year we're calling it For Everyone, where hundreds of folks who who are deeply invested here in the crossing by serving get together on a Saturday and we spend about six hours together really just um, continuing to build that team but also planning for what's ahead and if you are a high capacity leader you're a volunteer or if you need to be we invite you. On Saturday, August 17th, we have our For Everyone team conference coming up, and we need you to be a part. The registration is ongoing. We've got three or 400 who have already registered, and we've added a couple people who are going to be speaking into our lives that we're pretty excited about. Dave Taplin and Ruth Haley Barton. Let me tell you about Dave first. You want to know Dave, because Dave runs the Chick-fil-A's here in Las Vegas. So Dave is our friend. And so Dave's agreed to come in, and we're going to be doing a live podcast interview with Dave talking about what does it look like to be a person of faith and lead in the workplace. And so you're not going to want to miss that. And then Ruth Haley Barton is really considered... Um, an expert. She's a renowned author and speaker, and she really talks about how do we as leaders stay healthy in our lives. Those of us who are really um, doing significant things, sometimes we can get out in front of, of really replenishment and the things that should be going on in our lives. So both of those individuals we're going to hear from, but also our pastoral team. And then Shane's going to be sharing. He's going to be sharing what he's been learning in leadership and also where we're headed as a church. A lot of things happening with our Midtown location, ramp up and all those things. And so if you have the bandwidth, you should be here. It's easy to register, thecrossinglv.com slash team conference. It's free, and we're going to feed you, so make sure that you are a part of that coming up on August 17th. Well, I run a little bit. I'm going to spare you the details, all right? But you can come to my office. I'll show you each medal and the race and what went on. Runners are very annoying, um, but runners and bikers are kind of a community. Like if you're a runner, you kind of get it. If you're a, a, a serious biker, you get it. And there's this app called Strava. Some of you are familiar with it. Strava is really an app for those individuals and it allows you to follow other people who do the same thing. And so when you go out for a run or a ride, you hit it on your watch or your phone and it tracks. And so you literally see where the person goes and how far and how fast. And then there's this little thumbs up. So if you're friends with somebody and they do a ride or a run, you hit that little button, it's like, good job, kudos, they call it. And so you have people that follow you and, they, and other people and all that sort of thing. Well, a few months ago, I discovered something. I discovered that Shane is actually on Strava. <laughs> Didn't know. His name came up and I thought, that's interesting. So I hit the follow button 
And all of a sudden I see that he actually rides his bike on a, on a, on a regular, regular basis. And what happens is you can immediately see their latest and all of their activity. So this is the first one that came up, right? So on <laughs> July 22nd, he did 7.3 miles, pretty good pace. And then I started scrolling down. So this is July 16th, July 1st, July 27th. Are you starting to see a pattern here? And he just keeps riding. And so I just kept going. We're not done yet. And so I just kept scrolling down. June 4th. Now we're in June 2nd. Now we're into May. And it's still the same. Every once in a while he'll get off a little bit. It's like you can just see his brain like, ooh, got to get back on path. And he goes through, right? So this is evidence of two things that you need to know today. One is that Shane is an elite athlete. And you didn't know that. (laughs) And two, he is a creature of ridiculous habit. And all of us, in some way, shape, or form in our life, are creatures of habit. And that's what the next few weeks are going to be all about. And there's a verse I want to read to start us off. And, and there's a story that goes with it that so appropriately sets the tone for not only today, but this entire series. Here's the verse. It's in 1 Kings chapter 20. It says this, While your servant was busy, here and there, the man disappeared. Now, this verse is actually part of a parable. A parable is a story with a true meaning that's tucked inside of it. And most of the time, when we think of parables, we think of the New Testament, that part of Scripture. And we probably most likely think of Jesus because he was the master storyteller and he used parables in such an effective way. But this little short nugget, it's just a little short nugget, is actually a parable that's found in the Old Testament. And this story that's behind this verse was told by a prophet to a king named Ahab. And the reason he was telling the parable because, was because he wanted the king to know that he was being completely disobedient before God and that there were going to be consequences if he didn't change his way. Here's how the story kind of went. It was it's a real basic story. There was a battle going on. There was a soldier who was fighting the battle. And at some point in the battle, he was called over by his commander. And there had been a very valuable asset from the enemy, another soldier who had been captured. And you can just hear the conversation where he says, listen, you need to watch this prisoner. Like, do not let him escape. Like, treat him like if he escapes, it's your life because it probably is your life. And then he leaves. And we don't know how much time passed, but we can just picture the commander coming back and he's looking for the prisoner. And when he goes to find the prisoner, he's gone. He's escaped. And now he's panicking, and he goes and finds this soldier. And, and when he gets to the soldier, he says, listen, I told you to watch that prisoner. I told you, if, no matter what, you cannot lose him. And his response was this verse. He said, well, while, go back, please. While your servant was busy here and there, the man disappeared. He said, I've been doing a lot of stuff. Like I was over here organizing this and I was checking my email over here and I was scrolling Instagram, my news feed over here. I got distracted. But the point is, he wasn't doing what he was told to be doing. And here's what we learn from this parable. Productivity isn't the same thing as obedience. <clears throat> and being busy is not the same as being faithful. That doing a lot of things is not the same thing as doing the right thing. Now, when I read this, and again, it's part of this parable. When I read that verse, I thought, this is kind of freaky. Like, this is scary. Like, I thought about my own life, and I kind of took them. I'm like, am I just going here and there? Or is there really some, 
some purpose that goes into that. Because I don't want to go here and there and eat this and watch that. And as a result, it could be real easy for my life to just slip through my fingers and escape. And it forces us and it forces you and I to take a look at our lives. And most specifically, to take a look at our habits. Because we are all creatures of habit. Stephen Covey said this. He said, our habits will make or break us. We become what we repeatedly do. So that's why we're doing this series. And we talked about it. We planned it. We thought, this is something that we need to directly address. Because we believe this series can actually redirect the trajectory of so many lives. Because habits matter. They really do. And they are so powerful. Here's the theme or the basis for this entire series. You're going to hear this over and over again throughout the next few weeks. That God-honoring people do consistently what other people only do occasionally. Let's read it again. I want you to read it out loud. If you're watching online or you're in the room, let's read it together. God-honoring people do consistently what other people do occasionally. And there are two books I want to quickly highlight that we've kind of used as a, besides Scripture to kind of highlight some of these things. And some of you, this subject's going to grab you and you're going to want to read and do more. And I want to just encourage you. The first one is called The Power of Habit. It's kind of the classic writing on habits. And then the new one that I'm going to refer to a little bit this morning is called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Either of these books would be great for you to supplement as a part of, these, of this series. But if God-honoring people do consistently... What other people only do occasionally, I think we would probably all say, if we're familiar with his life, that the Apostle Paul was incredibly effective at actually honoring God. We think that he was, and what we know about his life and his writings and all those things. But he also gets real. Here's what he says in Romans, and I bet you're going to relate to some of this. He says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to stop eating junk food. Man, but those flaming hot Cheetos, they just get me every time. I, I want to. I really want to stop procrastinating. I really want to stop overspending, but Target, it just draws me in. I just love to push my cart down those aisles. Whatever it is for you. I want to, but I hate it. He says, I want to do what's right, but if I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Wow. Yes, 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 and yes. Right? And then he goes on and he kind of he, he kind of does what many of us do. He connects his failures to his identity. So he calls himself this. Oh, what a miserable person I am. I'm a loser. Because when I want to do what's right, I don't do it. I hate that. And then I know what's wrong, and I still do that. He says, oh, what? He says, that's my identity. That's my identity. Oh, what a miserable person I am. But then he asks this question, and he answers it himself. He says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and by death? Here it is. Thank God. And I think he said it like that. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. In other words, in other words, he can change us. 
right? He can deliver us. He can set us free. Christ is our source of hope. He's our strength. He's our healing. He's our hope. He makes all things new. It doesn't matter who you were. It doesn't matter where you were, what you did, where you've been. If anyone is in Christ, we know this identity to be true. He is a new person. The old is gone and the new has come. And this is important for us to understand that because our identity shapes our actions. Who you are or who you think you are is going to shape the actions and the habits of our life. And in this book that I referred to a moment ago, Atomic Habits, James Clear, he actually echoes this biblical idea even though he may not have known it. All truth is God's truth. He didn't know that. And he explains that there are three levels of three layers of behavioral change, kind of like an onion. This is the three levels in our lives where change actually occurs. The first level of changing is what we know as outcomes. You know, I want to lose weight. I want to publish a book. I want to run a marathon. I want to finish my PhD. Most of this level is where we set goals. That's most applicable to this level of change, those outcomes in our life. The second layer is changing your process, changing the processes of life. This is where habits are most likely built, right? We get up earlier to have more time in our day. We go to the gym. We, we prepare meals so that we eat correctly. This is the processes in our lives. And the third and the deepest layer is what we just discussed, our identity. Most of our habits are reflected at this level. This is our worldview. This is our self-belief, our image about ourselves, our assumptions. Outcomes are what you get. Processes is what you do. And identity is about who you are. And all these layers are right on. They're actually very useful. The problem is the direction of our change. A lot of us, we do it this way. We do it outcome-based habits. So in other words, we think about an outcome that we want to have in our life. We focus on what we want to achieve. And because we want to achieve that, then we build processes or habits into our lives. And then we hope that who we are will gradually change from that. But the real way to impact change is to begin with your identity. And we know what our identity is beginning within Christ, right? And so we begin there. And then because of our identity in Christ, then we begin to change the habits or the processes that will then influence the outcome of what our lives look like. The best way to think about identity-based is somebody who's trying to quit smoking or maybe vaping. And when someone says to them, hey, you want to have a cigarette? The person who's outcome-based will say, no, I'm trying to quit, right? They don't identify themselves yet as not a smoker. They still identify as a smoker. They're just a smoker who's trying to quit. Someone who has changed their identity would say, no, I don't smoke anymore. Right? Small thing, but it changes everything, and it makes identity such a key part of who we are. And you say, well, that doesn't sound spiritual at all. Well, you're wrong. Because when I read through the Bible, through the lens of this thought, I see examples all over the place who people who change their lives when they realize their God-given ability, then they change the process and the outcome of their life was different. Think about all the way from Moses to Gideon, who was afraid and needed to get courage, to Peter, who was a mess, a fisherman, and Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on you, all the way to Paul, whom we just read about who all began with their identity being changed and the outcomes of their lives followed. The problem is, is we often have a distorted identity and it will sabotage our success. I'm not good with money. I'm just not. 
Never been good with money, so I might as well go on a Target run right now just to deal with it. I'm not a very disciplined person. Never been very organized. Never been good in relationships. It's like we put that identity upon ourselves. And Paul understood this identity struggle, obviously. But he also understood how, who he now was in Christ. Check this out. That we were taught with regards to our former way of life to now put off your old self. To get rid of that old identity, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, right? To be made new in the attitude of your minds. Catch this. And to put on the new self, the new identity. And here's what's great. Created, in other words, that's actually how you were created. That the old self was really a pseudo you. That when we discover our identity in Christ, that's who God created you to be. And then we begin to live it out. Created to be like God, to honor God. To honor God in true righteousness and holiness. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. So who are you in Christ? You are redeemed. You are righteous. You are more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. You don't do all things, not by your own power, but through Christ who gives you Strength, But here's what many of us think, and we need to pause here. This is important. We believe in that identity, but we somehow are under the impression that we are straining daily, attempting to win and to keep God's favor. It's like every day when we wake up, it's like I've got to do the right thing so God will love me, so God won't reject me. And that is horrific theology. I don't know who told you that, but stop it. All right? It's like we wake up every day like a father, just yearning for, like a child, just yearning for the affection of a, of a father. That's not it. That love and acceptance from God has already been granted. So when we talk about habits, we're not earning God's favor. When we develop disciplines and habits in our life, it's not because we're trying to make God like us. He already likes us a lot. But honoring the favor that we've already been granted. The processes and the spiritual habits and the life habits that we do, it's because God loves us. He identifies with us. He calls you his child. And so now because of that, not to try to win that, we want to do things in our life that are honoring so that our lives will move forward in a powerful, powerful way. Then we'll want to make that the case. But with identity also come choices. So if our identity drives our actions, our choices will then harden into habits. And our habits will define our destiny. Duke University, they did a study and they recently found that 40% of our actions on any given week are done based on habit. It's almost half of our lives. Isn't that comforting? 40% of your lives you're not consciously even choosing to do. right? Because a habit is like a tiny groove. Inside our minds, aren't we fearfully and wonderfully made? That habit, that groove, and our brains learn from doing things over and over again. And over time, we just, we just get in that groove, right? So if I invited you to my house, you're not invited, but if I invited you to my house, right? And I said, this is my address, and here's where you go. Um, you would have a little bit of a time actually getting to my house. It's not that my house is just in a normal neighborhood, but it is funky to get to my house. Like there's lefts and rights and lefts and rights, and they come quick. Like I know you'll put it in your GPS and all that, but you better pay attention to that. I think there are people still lost trying to find my house right now in my neighborhood as we speak. But guess what? I never get lost. As a matter of fact, 
I don't even think about it. Like, I leave the office in the afternoon to go home, and sometimes I pull in my driveway, and I'm like, how did I get here? Did I run anybody over on the way here? Because I don't even remember anything I did, right? And you're all nodding because you think the same thing. Like, you're listening to music, a podcast, you're thinking, and it's like you're in the groove, and you're in autopilot, and you go from one, and you've gone home, so you don't have to think, I need to make a right turn right now, right? You've got all of that grooved in because you've done it over and over again. Albert Einstein said the most powerful force in the universe is compound effect. Anybody who's into finances understands the power of of compound interest. But compound effect in our lives, the effect of doing something over and over again and how that builds and how that grows and how that develops momentum in our life. Maybe the best way to illustrate it is this piece of paper. And this, I'm not going to do a magic trick, so don't get excited. But this, it's a normal eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. Pulled it out of the printer this morning. But it demonstrates compound effect. And I know this is true, what I'm about to show you, because I saw it on the internet this week. (laughs) So I got one single, very thin piece of paper, right? And so we fold it over one time. So we make one fold, just one single fold. And now I've got two layers of paper. So I've got double layers of paper. And so I fold it over again. So we go from two layers to what? Four layers, correct? And then we fold it over again and we go from four to, some of you are brilliant, we go to eight. And then we fold it over again and we're at what? 16 and you get the point. Now what they've said is that if you take an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper, most of the time you can only fold it over about eight or nine times before it's just physically impossible to keep folding it. But they've done the math and they've said this, that if you could physically continue to fold this paper 45 times, that it would stretch from the earth to the moon. And you're like, I got to think about that a little bit. But think about the power of compound. That is, things grow and you double it, and they grow and you double it, how powerful that is. And that's how our lives work. Once we've established our identity in Christ and it's impacting our, who, our actions, then these choices harden into habits and we begin to live it out. If we do the same thing over and over again, it becomes entrenched. Now what this means though is habits are powerful, but it also means habits make terrific friends and terrible enemies. Because whatever habits we put into our life are gonna do this, they're gonna grow. They're going to expand. They're going to stretch. Your creature of habit is always following you around like a big old beast. Your your habit is either going to be a tremendous force of good or it's going to be a force of bad in your life. It depends on the nature of your habit. If you're chronically late, it's going to compound. If you're narcissistic, you say yes to everything. If you use technology as a drug, who likes me, who's my friends? If you're stuck in retail therapy, if you eat emotionally, if you have just bad habits, they are powerfully bad. They will compound. They're harming you. And as they compound, they sabotage you from living out the identity that we, we know we have in Christ. Stephen Covey said habits are like a cable, like a small little thin cable. If you begin to weave those strands together every day, and soon it cannot be broken. It is so strong. But this isn't bad news because it can also be great news. Because we can use this to our advantage if we leverage and unleash it in our life. If we are smart about the right habits, 
the right disciplines in our lives, then we can get our lives pointed in the right direction. Imagine the impact if we built habits like generosity into our life and compounded it. Imagine the impact if we build habits like rest and health and forgiveness and joy and optimism and work ethic that these things will increase and compound and get larger. Imagine if we build spiritual, that's why we talk about rooted all the time. If we build intentional spiritual habits into our lives and we do those things over and over again, imagine how it will compound and change us and how much kingdom impact we will have. Because habits will either propel you forward into the future that God has for you or the habits you have in your life will drag at your heels and they will hold you back. Based on the choices you make, you'll develop habits that will impact your destiny. Here's the last thing. The significance of our lives is determined by the substance of our days. You get it? The big picture of your life is actually determined by the small decisions you make each day. I think we all desire to have a life of some level of significance. None of us get up in the morning and go, man, I just want to have another mediocre day. Be awesome. Just mediocrity. Rocks. Right? No. We all at some level want to have a life. We want to have a significant marriage. We want to have a significant impact in parenting if we, if we have kids. We, we want to do things that are significant in our life. If we have a career or a job, we want, to, we want to do things that matter. Nobody's chasing mediocrity. And we get there by examining the substance of our days. Because it's the small things we do every day that add up to true significance. And this next sentence is worth whatever it took for you to get here today. I wonder if many of us aren't slowly moving towards a future that we won't like. One small step, one day at a time. That we're doing small things every day. We're making decisions every day. And that future that's in front of us based on the decisions that we're making is not significant at all. But it's getting us somewhere that we won't like. Don't be surprised. Come on. Don't be surprised with the life you're living when that's the life you've actually built. Don't be like, I can't believe it. It's what you've been doing. One step at a time. But when we hand God the substance of our days, the law of compound effect will take place and it'll fold over this habit and that habit will fold over into our lives and lead us towards the future he intended. You're not going to live a life drastically different someday that you aren't already living slowly right now, day by day by day. One step, one habit at a time. Paul knew that. Here's what Paul said. He said, don't be deceived. Quit fooling yourself. Okay? God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows and thinks sowing is habits. We're sowing habits. We're building that groove. We're folding it over. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. If you're doing those habits in your life that aren't working for you, that's what's going to happen. But whoever sows to please or to honor God to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. God is a God of multiplication. Whatever you put in the ground is what's going to grow. So, fellas, how you treat your wife every day, small decisions, will dictate the type of marriage that you have in the future. 
how you show up at work, how you treat your physical body, how you apply spiritual disciplines. Parents, how you commit time to your children. Students, high school students, how you, how you commit yourself to what you're learning, to your future. How you show up every day will impact that. Small things done consistently, it's what's going to be coming up out of the ground. So when you turn 60, some of you are already there. When you turn 60, don't suddenly act shocked like, this isn't the life I wanted. Yes, it is. It's exactly the life that you built day by day, moment by moment, by the substance of your day. Don't be shocked. But instead, today we can begin to change the trajectory of our life by getting on the proper course, by first embracing our identity in Christ and then re-examining the habits that make up the way you live every day. And if we can do that, we won't be disappointed. Every day presents an opportunity. That's what's great. Like you say, well, I've already blown it. I wish I was 16 again, putting that dollar a day like my dad told me into that mutual fund. It's over. It's gone, all right? But every day is a new beginning. No matter what age you are, every day. This is, what, this is what Lamentation says. It says the faithful love of the Lord never ends. So we're not disqualified. His mercies never cease. He's faithful. Great is his faithfulness. His mercy begins afresh each morning. In other words, you have the opportunity every time the sun sets to look back and assess your day and to look at all the small things that you sowed into that day. And you have the opportunity based on God's faithfulness to rise up when the sun rises every day and make some determinations about that day that will compound down the road into something significant. You have the opportunity every day to give God in substance what will eventually lead to significance. Every day, new beginnings. Here's a Chinese proverb. This is what it says. The best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago. The second best time is today. It's true, isn't it? If you would have planted that tree in your yard 10 years ago, even in Vegas, you would have a ton of shade today, wouldn't you? You'd be out there like sitting under the tree and there'd be a blanket, a little picnic going on. Maybe it's a fruit tree. And by this time in 10 years, you'd have fruit that was coming off that tree. It's true. And yes, if 10 years ago you'd established better habits, today you'd be reaping better fruit in your life. But that doesn't mean it can't begin now. New beginnings are always a possibility with God. And this message today and this series is not really about now. It isn't. It's really about 2029. 10 years from now. It's really about us having the opportunity to begin again. I don't know for sure, but I'm convinced you don't want to, because I know I don't. I don't want to look back in 10 years and see a life that was just going here and going there. And in the meantime, the significant part of my life escaped. I don't want to see that. So I want to close with an exercise, all right? You can grab your phone. If you're on Facebook already, get off it. Pay attention, all right? <laughs> this is what I call towards 10. Here's what I want you to do. You can do it on your phone. You can take a picture of the screen here in a second. Write it on your neighbor's arm. It's fine. I call it towards 10. Here, here's the question I want you to answer. One, I want you to take your age right now. Okay? Take your age right now. And I want you to add 10. If you need the calculator, take a moment. <laughs> Some of you, it's a lot. Add 10. Okay? And think about that period of your life in 10 years. I want you right now to get a picture of what do you want to look like when you're 
When you're 40 now and you'll be 50 then, or you're 20 and you'll be 30, what kind of stuff do you want to be part of your life? What do you want your relationships to look like? What do you want your finances and your generosity to look like? Most importantly, what do you want your relationship with God to look like in 10 years? Come on, get a picture of it. You're going to have to do this over the next few hours and into today to actually get the full effect of it. And then I want you to ask three questions. Here's the first one. What habits are currently right that I need to amplify in my life? What are the things where I've put a groove or I've folded over time and time again in my life that are, that are good habits that I need to actually pay attention to and make sure that they stay really going in my life? All right. What are those habits? Write them down. I need to make sure I keep doing that because if I amplify that in 10 years, I'm going to get where I want to go. Here's the second question. This one's harder. What habits are wrong that I need to eliminate? Eesh. What are the things that I know if I'm doing them, I am not going to, that picture of 10 years is not going to be a reality. Okay, some of you, you're like, if I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm not going to make it 10 years. It's not really that funny. Like we need to make changes right now. So you think about it. What are the habits that, man, these are, these are taking me in the wrong step. And then the last one is this. What habits are missing that I need to add? I you to ponder that for a moment. You realize there's a future you write, a future you want, but right now you're not going to get there unless you add some different habits into your life. So you can't do it real quick right now. I just want you to get these questions down. Take a picture of it or whatever. Listen. But here's the thing. As you do this exercise, there's one more part of it. When you're all done, I want you to find somebody that you trust. I mean really trust, like not a knucklehead, like somebody you trust. Okay? Could be your spouse, could be a mentor, maybe you're in a life group, could be a pastor person, could be somebody at work that you really a friend that you really trust. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to send them your list. And I want you to ask them this question: What am I missing? And after you're mad, after you're done getting mad, and you can look honestly at that, then I want you to begin to think about what do I need to do to go towards 10? So that in 10 years, not that I'll have a better life. I mean, if, you know, we all want that condominium in downtown San Diego on the beach. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in relationship to the things that matter, in relationship to the things that are truly significant, especially in the case of God. What do I want that to look like? Because we believe that God is a God of new beginnings. Paul said it this way. He said, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. I don't want to be like that soldier that went here or there. I want to be that athlete that did the small incremental things every day of substance so that my life eventually could be significant. And I believe in this room, you're watching online, wherever you are, that if we will begin to take this into play in the disciplines of God, that we can build habits that will form a new beginning for us, that God is not done with us, that he has identified something in us, that he has brought us into a place where we can be new in Christ, and we need to embrace it, but then we need to get serious about changing some things and adding some things and eliminating some things in our life because then we will truly be positive creatures of habit that will significantly change who we are and change the world around us. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we just pray right now. God, I pray for those that this is resonating at a deep level with, that right now they're feeling the reality of the habits that have, they have put as a groove in their life, and they're not loving it. 
And God, there's some hard conversations they need to have, and there's some big days ahead where they need to make different choices. But God, I pray that you would strengthen them, give them grace, give them, give them sufficiency to begin to, to, to go through it. And when days when they fail, I pray they would wake up and say, it's new every morning and I'm going to move forward again. Because you are faithful, and you are faithful in us and through us. God, we cling to our identity in you. And we ask that you would make things new in us. Let, us. let it be a reality for us and for those around us, God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.